Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of the Knocked and Loaded podcast. My name is Derek Durenberger. I'm your host. Uh, today, we're meeting with Joe Rhodes from the Neistat Foundation. Uh, the Neistat Foundation is an organization that takes veterans and active duty military members on hunting events, fishing events, and different outdoor adventures. Um, we've been working with them for about three years now, and I can't tell you how proud I am to work with this organization and the veterans and, and military members that have uh, sacrificed for our country. We've taken them on hog hunts down in Texas. We've done fishing trips in the Gulf. Um, we've done whitetail events down in Texas. Uh, we recently went out west to Wyoming and Colorado. So uh, just being around the vets and, you know, that may be struggling with PTSD. We started out taking some paralyzed veterans, uh, paraplegic veterans on a hog hunt, but it's evolved into so much. And I think now one of the, the main focuses is the PTSD, um, veterans that may be struggling with that. So it's a, it's a great organization that I'm super proud to be a part of and in any little way that I can. Um, but check it out, listen to it, see what Joe has to say. Um, it's a great organization. If, if, if you'd like to support our military members, um, you know, do it through the Neistat Foundation. They're just a great organization. Again, super proud to work with them. Um, here's Joe Rhodes. Hope you enjoy it. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to the Knocked and Loaded Podcast. What's up, Joe Rhodes? How's it going? Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah. Glad you made it down. Down here doing some work, getting ready for an event. Yeah, we're getting ready for our event coming up April 14th. It's a fundraising shoot, so... We wanted to go ahead and meet with the guys from Main Street Signs in Perryville and uh, talk about signage for our sponsors for the event. So yep. did that this morning and decided while down in southeast Missouri, might as well swing down to Jackson and uh, do a little podcast with you. Yeah, I'm surprised they let you in the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's good to be back home. I'll tell you that. So <laughs> Good, good. So you're with the Neistat Foundation. Let's, uh, well, I guess let's first start on how we met and how we got to, to working together. Yeah, when I met you, it's kind of it's kind of quick and fast how it all happened. So we were working on a scent eliminator. I was working for for Jim Neistat out of his pro shop out of the ranch in Texas, and we were working on a scent eliminator. And he said, "Hey, I want I want to get this pushed out." And he goes, "I really want to promote this. Do you know any guys that have any outdoor shows?" So I called a buddy of mine who was managing a bow shop, and I said, "This is what's going down. Do you have anybody that?" you know of that would be good to to really push this thing out and he said well let me get you in touch with joe hayne he goes joe hayne's working with this guy derek dernberger he's really really good noted derek or you or joe no no derek he's oh he, he didn't mention that oh, okay. <laughs> so he says let me get get in touch with joe so he, he leaves joe a message that was maybe noon i was heading down here anyway because i was in a wedding that day and uh by 2 o'clock, Joe had called, and then I think at the wedding reception, I stepped out to take a phone call from you. And by that evening, we were we were sponsors of right. the show. We were going to push out this scent eliminator. As things went with that, 
we ended up not doing the scent illuminator. There was a whole lot of layers to that that we we uh, didn't want to get into. And uh, in the process, from really when your season started, I think it was season two or three. Season two. Season two, we had started up this foundation. Right. And uh, decided to go this route with our sponsorship as opposed to the scent eliminator. Right. So. Right. So let's let's talk about how we got how you guys got started with the Knee Step Foundation. So Jason Miles, one of my guys in Indiana, when I say one of my guys, he's a staff member of The Break, the T V show. And he was doing a veterans hunt up there. Disabled veterans hunt. Yeah, so he contacted me and said, um, you know, would you guys be willing to throw something in some gear or whatever it may be right. for the event? And I went back to Jim and I said, would we do it? And he said, yeah. And he said, we should do an event like that as well. So we got to talking and said, well, let's do one. And when we go out to Jason's event in Indiana, not only will we take binos for all the guys hunting, Let's also give away one of the spots for, for our event, which was right. going to be a hog hunt in, in South Texas. So we did a drawing there, drew Steve Miller's name, uh, got to meet him, which is a really solid, good guy. <laughs> um, and uh, next thing you know, we're, we're having an event in Texas. And then in the process of planning that event, it became pretty obvious to us that this is an avenue that we need to go down and something that we need to pursue. Jim himself is a vet um he was he was in the army progressed to special forces and uh, spent a long time in the military before becoming medically retired and when he came out he had this this skill set that not most people have you know his so his college was the special forces and he's been able to to start a really successful um security business but he also knew the other side of the story that not everybody gets the breaks that he had. Right. Um, now certainly he's worked really hard to get those breaks, but some things had to fall in place for that as well. And not everybody gets those. So he said, this is something near and dear to my heart here. He said, let's go ahead and, and start up a nonprofit and let's go ahead and roll it and start having events. And the, the idea was in the beginning, just quarterly events throughout the year, four right. events a year out of South Texas. Let's host these events and it'll be a really good idea. And it was at the ranch that Jim already owned down there. So yeah, he's... at Gravic Ranch, which he owned in, in San Isidro, Texas. Um, so we decided to do it, and hey, let's let's focus on disabled vets. So that first event that we had with Steve was all paraplegics. So we had uh, Steve, Alvin, and Kate. They all came down for a hog hunt. You guys joined us for that. We got it all on film, made a cool episode out of that. And next thing you know, three weeks later... You and I are back down there again for another event. And that's sort of how Jim works, Uh as you know now. (laughs) So at that event, somebody mentions that there's three more veterans that need to go on an event like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, next thing you know, we've got got an all-women's event down in Texas doing a hog hunt as well. So our quarterly events (laughs) went to two events in the first quarter. But as I said, that's how Jim works. He works fast. He works quick. And uh, anything out there that he finds that we need to do, we're going to do it. So that blows up the quarterly thing. Right. um, Minimum, usually we have four or five events a year, but it's always north of that. Right. So he's got you as a uh, project manager, so 
Keeps me busy. Yes, he knows you can Keeps throw it together. Make it happen. <laughs> Make it happen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there so go. that that uh, that first event was fun. Oh, it was a blast. So um, we went into it. I was nervous as could be because I have, I put this thing together, and I had no idea what to expect. But You didn't know what to expect out of us either. I Jim hasn't did, met us yet. I did so not know you guys. I was <laughs> boarding a plane with a bunch of guys I did, outside of Joe. I was uh-huh. boarding plane with a bunch of guys I didn't know, and I said, and Jim hadn't met you guys either, so I thought, oh, how's this going to go? Uh-huh. But everything fell into place. Yeah. Um, so he really fell in love with the break that weekend, and we've been a sponsor, I think, what, coming on three years yeah. now. And uh, it's been a really good partnership for us. But uh, he fell in love with the guys that weekend and fell in love with really just the whole process right. of the event from beginning to end. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of success that weekend. Yeah. Um, Steve killed a big old hog right, right off the jump. Yeah, right out of the first morning, right? Yeah, with his with a crossbow. With a crossbow. And then Alvin got got one later on with a CZ rifle, and uh, and uh, then Kate I think Kate went out with the uh, with a night vision, and uh, she kind of did some work with the night vision. Yeah, right, so right. It was all good. It wasn't good for me. No, I was the the bad luck. Whatever you want to call me, the bad yeah. luck charm. <laughs> yeah, there for a little bit, man. Anybody no. that went out with you was just not no. having success. No. So, and that's weird, you know. I thought you were the chief hunter. Well, um, yeah. so <laughs> everybody else was having a lot of success, <laughs> not the chief but not cameraman, you. Cameraman, apparently. Yeah, even me, even little old project manager me. That next yeah. event with the ladies, boom, right out of the gate. Right. We got two, and uh, uh, yeah, got one with with one of the vets in the afternoon, one in the. Uh, one in the morning, so right. that was good. Uh huh. But things did come around. Things come around. Yeah, I hunted with Keisha that second trip, and yeah, nothing the first. Well, the first two days. How long were we? We're there three days, I think. We were there for three days. Three days. And since we had to throw it together so quick, we only had one camera guy. Right. So you, you were it. I so was we it, said, yeah. who are we going to sit you with? And we decided Keisha from the get go because she had a really neat story. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She's. You know, the first female veteran to return to combat after she lost a limb. I mean, right. she lost her leg in that motorcycle accident. She had hit a sign, lost a limb, returns to combat, and still is trying to become uh, a pilot within the Army. Uh-huh. So he said, this is a great story. You sit with her. We'll tell her story um, and try to help her in any way we can through that story. Well, no luck. No luck. No we luck. didn't see a hog. I don't think we saw a hog the first day. The second day, maybe or this that evening, I think we saw one little one maybe move through pretty quick, never come to the corn. And then the last evening, it was the last evening before we finally had an opportunity. Well, yeah, and then we went out. We, everybody kind of went out to the blinds that evening and said, nobody's going to shoot. No matter what you see, nobody's going to shoot until right. Keisha, Keisha shoots because we didn't want to disturb the movement of the hogs in any way. Right. So then we hear a shot, uh-huh. and we think, and we knew it came from your blind, right? And we thought, there we go, there we, we got go. it, yeah. And well, it was come out just to the end of the sendero, whatever you call those that you cut in there, yeah. And uh, popped out, and Keisha, her stool was a little low, was the, I think the problem, and she had to really stretch up to to get a shot at it, and just. Gave it a haircut, right on. The, I mean, you can see it perfectly in the in the video. Just a little bit of hair poof, and off it went. And she was distraught. 
So the blind, the blind that Eric built, the blind was, that Eric built, yeah. was malfunctioning. Right. It's it just a, not a not a good situation. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> so we we heard the shot. We got a text from you saying uh-huh. miss miss, and we thought, well, it's gone. Yeah, the, the opportunity's gone. She's not going to see another heart. Right. So well, you guys were holding off. You had we hogs were, in front of you that you didn't want to shoot until. Until you shot. did. So then we said, well, game's on. Right. And we knocked down, I think, two hogs in. Uh-huh. And then we were losing light. We thought, let's just, let's call back to the ranch, get picked up, and right. we'll go from there. And then we heard another, another shot, shot from Keisha. So we had a group of four hogs come in, four or five, whatever it was. And the big one, the smaller ones come in, and the big one was just moving in. And I had it set up. I had a Browning trail camera up by the feeder. I had the hunter cam, and I had the main camera. And from my angle, they all come in, and I just told Keisha, just just wait for the, the big one to present itself, and then take your shot. Well, I don't know if she saw, but there was another hog, one of the smaller boars, right behind the bigger hog. And uh, I had an idea if she shot the first one, she had a possibility of killing the second one. She squeezed off the first one. Perfect hit. And we see it run off. So Keisha and I walked up to, you know, look at the damage. And I looked off to the left there. And I didn't say anything to her yet. I was like, I just wanted to, her to see it. But she didn't see it. And I was like, look off to the left there. So she killed two in one shot. So pretty awesome ending to what was a, a struggle. And what I think was cool about that, too, is... That big hog stopped right in front of your Browning Trail cameras. Oh, yeah. You just randomly set it out, and that caught a different angle uh-huh. of the shot. And then you had the GoPro from up above. Right. So, I mean, we had, what, three camera angles? Three camera angles. Actually, four, because I had a GoPro up by the feeder as well. Oh, so, yeah. just a slightly different angle. So, two hogs. Losing was... light, two hogs, one shot, four camera angles. You couldn't have scripted it any no. better. And that was that was just a really cool night for, for everybody. Everybody yeah. was celebrating it because she had some, everybody there was rooting for her. Right. I mean, it was her night. Right. And, uh, the bottom way, of the ninth inning and yeah, I mean, it was just, you couldn't have wrote it any better. Uh-huh. I mean, that was, that was really, really neat. And she was so excited. And I think for me going through the first event, everybody was so appreciative. I mean, we knocked it out of the park with those, with everybody there, but to see the look on her face of, of just that, that evening, that moment of success was awesome. Yeah. And that changed, that changed my viewpoint on how we, how we were going to do this foundation. Yeah. And, and the, the kind of experiences that we need to set these people up for. Right. Um, you know, it was just, it, it was just phenomenal. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So you branched off from that event. Like you said, you saw another direction you wanted to go. We branched off. The next event was, well, you had, you had a family come down. Yeah. So, Every single event that we've had has led to the next event, it seems like. So we have that first event. It leads to the all-women's hunt. Then we are at that hunt, and it led to having a family. And so somebody said, well, hey, I know a family, two brothers of a fallen Marine. Mm-hmm. And we decided to go ahead and have them in for um, for a hunt, for a hog hunt as well, and just spend some time with them um, along with a guy that served with the brother. Yeah. Uh, so they came in, they had a blast. Um, it was really cool. We've been able to stay in contact with the guy that, that they, that the gentleman served with who, who, uh, had lost his life. 
And he said, you know, one of the coolest things that you get is you get some follow follow back on some how people are doing. Right. He said, you know, in seven years, that that event has done more for those guys than anything else that they've tried. Yep. So again, light bulb goes off. I mean, it just changes the the, the viewpoint on how you view these things and what you're really handling, what you're what you're doing here, mm-hmm. um, and just the power the power that a simple thing like taking some people hunting can have. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's been a really cool journey. Yeah. So that took us, that was event number three. That was three. That was three. And then boom. Um, did, did you send a group text to Alex and all those guys saying we're doing a podcast? I didn't. Is that who's they're blowing us? it up oh, and goodness. I don't know how to turn it off on my computer. I can't just leave it alone. No. No, Alex is dying to get on here. Yeah, that's the problem with Alex. He just won't, won't let anybody else have the limelight. <laughs> so. Speaking of Alex, Alex, come down. There he is, blowing it up again. <laughs> These people work. I know. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> no. So Alex, Big Bob, and Tom come down for cast and blast, fishing in the Gulf and hog hunting. And that one went pretty well. Yeah, so that that introduced like a whole new phase to what we were doing because we we found out really in the beginning we said let's take people hog hunting. We know we can do the hog hunting. We know we can knock it out yeah. of the park. So then you insert cast and blast, and we said, well, we're going to have three different hunts. Really, it ended up being four different hunts because when Jim's involved, <laughs> yeah. you never know what's going to happen. So <laughs> we ended up hunting four different things. Really, three different things, but then fishing for one. So we have uh-huh. a cast and blast, which involved hog hunting. It involved dove hunting, Texas dove hunting, which if you've never done it, is an experience. I've never itself. done it. I mean, it's just, it's sort of like a tailgate party around a field. Right. And then these doves just come in like nothing, just swarms of doves just coming in. And it, you can't, you got really got to have two guys. You got to have one guy load your gun and the other guy going and finding <laughs> yeah. birds. Because, I mean, it just happens so quick. So we did doves, hogs, and then we ended up killing some red sheep, which that was Jim's idea. Right. And then we took them out on the water as well. We went out into the Gulf, which Eric is is a phenomenal fisherman, um, got us out there in the Gulf on a few boats, and um, we we slayed some some uh, hooked into some redfish and slayed some some uh, sea trout, some uh-huh. speckled sea trout, and so that was a that was just a monumental success. Everything kind of lined up for that event. We had great weather, great situations. And, uh, that began when you, when you go through that and you have that kind of success with an event, you begin to think, what's next? Right. What else can we do? Right. And how can we get even bigger and do something even greater? Yeah. And then well, you, the second, the second cast and blast or Tuscan tails, whatever it was called, another fishing and hunting event. <laughs> That's when I decided, you know what? I'm a land mammal. Next time you do a fishing event. I'm sending somebody else. You know, it, it was miserable. Yeah, we had 40 mile an hour winds. Yeah, the sea was choppy anyway. I don't know if that would even played a factor in, and you getting. Well, sick I get or not. sick if I'm floating in a, floating <laughs> in the lake, in water. So I didn't even think about it. So when I saw 35, 40 mile an hour winds, and we're out there in those little float boats or whatever you call those, yeah, those flat bottoms, flat bottoms, buddy. It was rough. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is you all kind of split up. You mm-hmm. know, we had three boats that day. We had Oscar's boat, Eric's boat, and then um, Juan Carlos's boat. Right. So I didn't see you all day. Yeah. And then when you 
we had a malfunction on Eric's boat there at the end of the day, and I saw you. We kind of all loaded up. You were looking pretty green. I was rough. I was feeling very, very rough. That went well into the evening as yes. well. And then trying to, <laughs> yeah, then riding in. I didn't realize how bad I was until we was riding in, and that's when it was really blowing, and we're going against the wind, hitting the waves. It was rough. Yeah. And then I really felt it when I got back to the ranch, got on solid ground, and wasn't better. No. Then you said you went in and took a shower and the water and everything? Yes. I took a shower and I had to sit down on the ledge of the bathtub so I wouldn't fall down. (laughs) (laughs) It was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, that was a, that was a rough event all the yeah. way around. I mean, we took them out on the water, 30, 40 mile an hour winds. Then we come back to the ranch and say, well, let's, let's knock the hog hunting out. Let's do it out. Let's just knock it out of the park. Yeah. And we got 110 degrees. 110 degrees. The hogs just laid down. They laid down. They wouldn't move. We were working dogs to get the hogs as well. And the dog, we were just changing dogs out left and right because, yeah. I mean, they were suffering. Right. So... That was an interesting place for us to be because everything we had tried up to that point was really successful. Uh-huh. The people on the vets coming to the event had had a great amount of success, Yep. but now they didn't. So what do you do next? Are so you... we kind of had a little bit, little bit of powwow there and we said, look, we got to have these guys yeah. back. And it was interesting. We, we went ahead and told them, Hey, look, you're coming back. And they didn't believe us. Right. You could kind of see it. But then. Over this winter, I've been talking to him, and we're actually having him down next month. Mm-hmm. And we said, this is a real deal. You're coming back. So we're going to go to a little small family ranch just outside of San Antonio uh, in Blanco, Texas. Yep. Um, and we're going to we're gonna hunt some exotics. We're going to go after some axis deer and some black buck yep. um, and make good on, on what we pride ourselves on. And that's success in the field. Right. So we want to make sure we're having success in the field on these events. We want to make sure that uh, we're having success around the campfire, so you got that good experience of, of a real hunting camp type atmosphere. Uh-huh. And then, you know, we want to make sure that we have success on that back end as well, right. making good on our promises. And that's why we're having these guys back. So we're excited about the event. Um, it'll be great to have you guys back down. I think Craig and Joe are coming with you. Yep. So it's always cool for me when I come from Missouri and go down to Texas for one of these events, and I get to have a bunch of people from Southeast Missouri with me. Right. It's just kind of a neat neat deal it's a whole nother whole uh-huh. nother level for me and the two of the vets are going to be from southeast missouri as well and uh just excited to have them back again yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to that one now you ventured out we we ventured out west the neistat foundation i went along with you guys yeah so this year one of the deals is once you get out there and the name starts circulating, new opportunities sort of present themselves and we were contacted by by matt harbach of, of salt river range outfitters um, along with some other generous people who wanted to donate tags to the foundation. Matt wanted to do the guide service. He mm-hmm. wanted to donate that. And then somebody else wanted to donate the tags. So he said, well, we're going out west now. Um, so we we kind of got geared up for that event. Um, you went out. So Joe Salt River out. Range is Wyoming. Yes. Salt River Range Outfitters. Yeah, so they're, it's amazing. In, they're in Afton, Wyoming. So yes. it, you fly into Jackson, right? Uh, take a beautiful ride up to Yeah, Afton. just That's the flight in there is, it's unreal, the scenery. See, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this all from you. I've, I've been to Jackson before, but never on this Salt River. I couldn't go on this event. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, you can probably speak a whole lot more to what that event was like. But 
you know, it, it was what, the one thing I will say about it is how phenomenal the people of Wyoming were uh-huh. to just be so generous with our guys. Um, they heard two vets coming out, and they just they rolled out the red carpet. So Wyoming's, it's a, it's an interest. It's a it's a really cool program they have where residents can donate their tags to um, disabled veterans. Or when when you say disabled, people think you know paraplegics or whatever, but it's not necessarily just. It's a percentage of disability, correct? Fifty percent, yeah. So you have to be fifty percent disabled to accept one of the donated tags. Right. Okay. So, so, so that's a that's a cool program. It guarantees they get drawn for a tag because it's tough. You know, a civilian or just any regular Joe goes in there to try to hunt this area. It's about a three year draw. Yes, I mean just for them to be able to roll in there like that is is unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we contacted Matt once we found out we had the tags. We contacted Matt and said, "Hey, we want to come out." just looking for costs. And he said, no, man, he goes, you don't pay. Yeah. He goes, these guys don't pay. They, they, they've worked their tails off for our country. Uh-huh. This is the least we can do. Right. So then we think, wow, this is amazing. And then Matt calls us up later and says, Hey, if you guys do take a mule deer, I've set up a taxidermist in town. He's going to donate the mounts for you. Right. Like, wow. And he says, well, I also got a meat processor. So they're going to process the meat for you. So it was really from beginning to end. The, the people of Wyoming just sort of took took care of it. Yeah, and it was. You think, wow, that's phenomenal in itself. But then you have the event. You're then right. you guys got to go up and see the things that you you did and do the things that you did. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was yeah. I, di- I didn't know what to expect at all coming in. They talked about horseback. So Wyoming, we went on public ground or national forest or whatever it is, it's public ground. So you can't ride four wheelers or side by side back there to where we're hunting. And you couldn't anyways, it was so rugged. I mean, just steep and pine trees, aspens. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful, but we would horse back in probably an hour, depending on where we were going, we'd horse back in and uh, set up for the morning and just glass the mountains looking, you know, spotting mule deer. And it's, so I brought my rifles out there, my Browning rifles, because I wanted to get them and those in the show. And, uh, you know, they're zeroed at 200. We're good out to 400. I assume that would be the shot. So we get out there the first day before I get ahead and talking about the horsebacking in, the mat and, um, uh, and uh scooter. scooter scooter yeah scott was talking about you know the range of what we'd be shooting he said well we're gonna go we're gonna go you know see how these guys shoot the two vets that come along with us and you know just get them accustomed to the gun and so i'm thinking well, i'm gonna bring my gun and and you know we're talking about yeah i just asked the question so what do we you know what's the range on these are we thinking about he said well the average shot's about 650 but thousand yards isn't out of the question. I was like, okay, I'm not equipped for that. <laughs> My guns aren't equipped for that. I got a three, you know, a couple three oh eights, and you know, different ball game, different ball, just game. absolute different ball game. Yeah. So they're using three thirty eight edges, custom rifles, and uh, we go out there and we're practicing at eight hundred yards. So that's the that's the range we're looking at. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I bow hunt a lot, bow hunting mule deer in Colorado the year before, and. You know, and that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting we you know we'll spot and stalk, see one, and walk, get within two or three hundred yards. But just the terrain, it's almost impossible. Where you spot them, 
And that's what we were talking about. Nobody bow hunts this area because it's too rugged. I mean, you spot one and you'd, it'd literally take you half the day to get to where you need to be to get the shot. And then the, the deer's likely gone. So we horse back up and uh, we would horse back in every morning about an hour to get to our area and complete darkness, you know, and Scott Scooter would just tell you, oh, don't worry, you know, keep your lanterns off, your lights off. You know, the horse can see in the dark. So don't worry about it. Just trust them. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. But I haven't ridden a horse since I was 17 years old. I was a little nervous about the whole situation. I mean, I haven't been on a, you know, I'm 43 now, almost 44. So do the math, 27 years since I've been on a horse. It was a good thing you had Joe there. Yeah, Joe, yeah. Right? He's yeah, like he knows. part cowboy. Right, yeah, tough. Eat him and, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, but Scott said, don't worry about it. You got a great horse. His name's Amish. Beautiful looking horse. He's a big horse. He's a paint, so multicolors, grays and whites and browns. So we had a good relationship, oh, oh, Amish and I, that first day. You know, he made it fine. We went up the mountain, going up some steep stuff, switchbacking on the side of the mountain. We'd literally walk, and I'd notice it coming out, going in in the dark the first day. You, you can't see, you know, what's beside you. You can see right in front of you, and that's basically it. So coming out that first day, that first morning, we're walking on the same trail going out, and I looked down to my left, and I was like, holy cow, that's straight down. You know, Amish is walking my horse. Our horses are walking on a two-foot-wide trail, and one step off, and it's literally two or 300 feet almost straight down. Yeah. Brutal. 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 <laughs> but I had a good horse, apparently. The second day going in, I think Amish wore out. There was a couple times going up these mountains that, uh, you know, we're switchbacking. You know, the idea when you switch back, you still go up. Well, Amish couldn't hardly keep up. I see the whole train of horses as they're switchbacking up, and Amish is just easing down the mountain. If he keeps easing down too much, where we're switchbacking, you get to a cliff, and there's nowhere else to go but straight down. So he was absolutely struggling. I told Scott, I was like, you know, getting a little concerned about Oamish here. I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys trucked him in from Missouri when we came because I think I, I've got better wind than Oamish. But it was a struggle, and Scott would say, yeah, just uh, if you think he's going to go, just, you know, be ready to bail. Yeah. Which was comforting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Right, yeah. I'm sure. Right. But uh yeah, he was uh he struggled, but it was it was rough and I didn't die. So that was good. Amish didn't have a heart attack on me. He you eventually know, made it up there. That was that was sort of a a rough and interesting event for me. It was rough because I wasn't there. Right. It's tough to to plan it all out and then not be there. Mm-hmm. Um but I was checking in with you guys, and that's when the interesting part came in. Because cell service is, like, non-existent out there. Yeah. I mean, you are in the absolute wilderness. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'd talk to you and Joe at night. I'd say, how are the guys doing? How are the vets doing? How's this going? It's tough to get anything out of you guys because you were so beat. Right. From I mean, you were up at, you know, you said 4 or 5 in the morning. Yeah. And you were, but 9 o'clock at night, you were finally settling in. Right. So, I mean, you were putting in a full day. Oh, it's a full this day. This is like... 
real hunting. I mean, this is not driving the side by side up to your deer stand, hopping right. out and no, it's and sitting there. I mean, it's rugged. It's rugged. Yeah, so we did. We had opportunity. We had opportunity every day at mm-hmm. giant mule deer. I'm talking 170s to 200 inch mule deer. I mean, really, really good mule deer. We had one guy that Donnie that had had a shot. Was it the second morning? I think, and it was right at 650, and just right over his back. And the wind was kind of blowing a little bit, so that affected it. But uh, just shot right over his back and just wasn't able to get that second shot off. But had opportunity every day we were on elk or uh, mule deer. Um, we had one opportunity. The weather just hurt us. Fog rolled in right when we spotted one, and we we're going to get a shot at four or five hundred yards. Um, yeah, just, uh, couldn't make it happen. It's tough for the guys coming from Missouri, Mike, he was having trouble finding it. And it's, I mean, it's just so vast. And, you know, when you're hunting whitetails with a rifle and, you know, you're looking at a 150 yard shot, trying to find them in your scope, but getting out there and, you know, you're looking at the entire mountainside and you're trying to pick out, you know, the guy that spots it, you're trying to pick out you know, a little cedar tree. He's right next to that pond. He's right there. It's just, uh, they just couldn't make it happen. And it's just adjusting, knowing knowing what to look for to try to find them. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's interesting that you went out there. I mean, heck, you're an avid hunter. You're, you're out there all the time. You went out there with guns zeroed at 200. I mean, it was just sort of, you don't know what you don't know until you get there. You know, I think one night you guys were up on a, up on a pretty high because you were getting cell service and, uh, you said, we're on one. And I said, well, how far is the shot going to be? Because you're texting me. Uh-huh. I said, how far is the shot going to be? And Mike's on the gun. Yeah. Um, Mike's an Air Force guy, and he's on the gun. And, and uh, you said uh, it's, it's 870, 870-yard <laughs> yeah. shot. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> this is going to be – this is uh-huh. tough stuff. I mean, this is this is pretty, yeah. pretty grueling, unforgiving territory, number one. Right. Then you're going on eight eight hundred yard shots, six fifty shots. Right. But even though those guys weren't successful, just being in that country uh-huh. was well, was yeah, everything saw, they wanted. We saw a couple bears while we were out there. We saw a ton of mule deer, a ton of and giant mule deer, um, and just the scenery. Even if you didn't see an, an animal, just the mountains and you know, just the scenery is outstanding. I mean, it was it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was, to those guys, that was enough. Right. And I think for, for somebody like Donnie, who Marine Corps vet, to get out there and just hunt again uh-huh. was a big, big step oh, yeah. for him. Yep. You know, you think about him, he comes back from from the Middle East, and he's he ends up getting rid of every gun in his house. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just something that he was dealing with and going through. So when we saw him and, and, and met him, that was a real opportunity for us to get him back into hunting. Right. And he was able to get back out there and just be along on the on the journey again. Uh-huh. And that was that was a really powerful thing, I think, just for him to be yep. out there um, pursuing game. Right. Um, taking it would have been great, but just to have him out there hunting was, was something, I think, that was just powerful for uh-huh. him. So that was a really cool... It was really cool to talk to him when he got back. Yeah, him and Mike both. But I, I really enjoyed hearing that story from Donnie. Yep. So, yep. And uh, everybody there at Salt River Range took care of the guys. Great food, great. I mean, it's everything. 
it was an awesome experience. I enjoyed it, and all I had was a camera with me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get back and and hunt with them. Um, so then that was part one of the Western mule deer hunt. The second part, the second half, the second leg was to Hooker Mountain Outfitters, which I've hunted there quite a bit um, over the last couple years. So Hooker Mountain, it's completely different. We're hunting private ground as opposed to public ground. And our horses are more my speed, some side-by-side. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So you introduced us to Tom. Yep. Uh, Tom Coster of Hooker Mountain Outfitters. And uh, said, hey, he wants to have you out. So we, I call him up, we hook it up, and, and get drawn for a couple tags because Colorado doesn't have the same program as Wyoming. Right. Does. So we actually had to put in for tags, and we got a couple guys drawn. So we go out there, and I actually went along on that event. And I'm thinking, I'm coming at this from the lens of Wyoming. Right. That you just went on. And I'm thinking, as I'm packing my gear, like, what am I getting into here? Uh-huh. I go, we're going to be doing all this stuff out west. And you get there, and he's like, we're going to hop in these heated side-by-sides. <laughs> yeah. and It is still uh, a tough hunt. Right. I mean, because you're shooting good distances, and, and uh, but it, was, it wasn't it was riding horseback up right. into the, the unknown. Right. So, but it was it was a phenomenal hunt. We got to take two guys out. Um, both served in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, one was from St. Louis area, and the other was from San Antonio area. And the guy from San Antonio, Alex, he had never shot a buck before. Right. And so then when you get up, we get up there day one in Hooker Mountain and start glassing at these animals that he's going to shoot. You know, his his eyes were as big as silver dollars. Right. And uh, he, he really knew what was going to happen then that next day or what at least he was going to have the opportunity uh-huh. to. And, and that next day, we got up right away. Beautiful because we had a that snow that rolled in. Uh-huh. So you're at different elevation. Weather changes quickly. We have that snow rolling. So you just w- wake up to beautiful scenery. And we get out, and Tom and his guys put us on mule deer right away. Instantly. Instantly. And Sam, um, he pulls off a 280-yard shot. Uh-huh. 295. 295 yep. on a beautiful mule deer. Yep. Heavy, wide. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a gorgeous mule deer. Just drilled him right in the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, dropped him. And, you know, Alex was sort of. He was going to have an opportunity at it. He couldn't find right. him. Four, there's four bucks, right? Four bucks there. Um, what was it? Four bucks. One, another one that was as big. I thought bigger than the one that, uh, the one that Sam shot. Yeah. In fact, I would have shot the other one personally. Looking back at the footage now, I mean, the one that Sam shot was just so heavy, and I think that's what we were focused on, and so wide. The other one wasn't as heavy, but it was super tall, deep forks. Yeah, it was. But yeah. In in that way, either way. Beautiful yeah, animals, yeah. beautiful animals, and you couldn't have gone wrong. Yeah. And uh, but I think you know after that morning, Alex was supposed to be the first shooter on that hunt. Right. He couldn't find it, so we switched to Sam. Right. right Sam there. was on it. Yeah. Sam was on it. So boom, Sam takes the shot, so we don't lose the animal. So I think Alex was walking out of that, and he was like, "Dang it, I missed my opportunity." But right. you know, Tom and his guys were like, "We're going to have more opportunities." Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. But it's one of those deals where, from Alex's perspective. You don't know until you see it. You don't know that you do have more opportunities until they see it. And that afternoon. That afternoon, yeah. Boom. He kills right. a beautiful mule deer. Real tall. Well. Yeah, that was a that was a cool hunt. Right at the 160 yards. So nice close range shot on a mountain that we're on one side and there's a valley in between us and there there's three or four bucks on the other mountain face. Yeah. It was really cool and he hammered it. 
He did. He hammered that thing, and, and he was just beside himself, excited. Yeah. You know, when we we flew into Denver and drove out to to Steamboat, um, he was pretty quiet. Yeah. He wasn't saying a whole lot. But, man, as soon as he killed that deer, yeah. he was jabbering like yeah. crazy. And that was – it just was a really, really cool experience for them. And then it was nice on the back end. So you say, what do you do? We're here for three more days. It was really nice for Tom on the back end to let those guys come along on some some right. other hunts and just kind of see it. Right. And uh, they they just enjoyed their time. Sam, I think Sam got to get out and he caught some trout as well. Uh huh. Um, they're out of the Yampa River that yeah. runs right through, and it was just uh, I don't know. It was a really yeah. really cool experience, and we're excited to go back to those places again. Yeah. So it was a success number one, but then number two that they invite us back, and that uh-huh. was a really cool. That's really cool for us that they. They see what we do, right? And they feel strongly enough about us to have us back out there yep. and to be a part of all of it again. So, just we're, we couldn't be any more excited about the fall. Yeah. So yeah, that would that was good, man. I can't wait to get back out out west with those guys. It is. I mean, there's the, the places that that we go with this foundation and just have the opportunity to be at South Texas is a whole different terrain yep i mean from a couple of missouri guys like ourselves you go to south texas and everything there wants to bite you <laughs> sting you um you know poke you uh-huh. and then you go out west and you know we think we got hills river hills around here it's right we got nothing compared uh-huh. to out west so it's a good experience and when we go on these events we always try to take people that are going to be experiencing a new terrain right so yeah so we're going up to or you guys are going up to and i'm going to be there with you up to deer fest in wisconsin this summer and we talked to hugh up there that runs deer fest introduced you to him and he's going to donate a turkey hunt yeah he's going to be a turkey hunt. So we're in a turkey on his property up in wisconsin so that would be not this spring but next spring correct yeah so he invited us up i, I talked to him i said we're going to come up to deer fest we'd like to get a booth and he said booths on the house he yep. said, you can have it. We're going to feature your foundation, and we're going to do a drawing, and I want you to organize the hunt for a, for a turkey up here in, in uh, Wisconsin. So now we're branching up north as well. Yep. So as we continue to grow, each year goes past, another opportunity just sort of yep. presents itself. So it'll be interesting to take, you know, likely a guy from the Midwest area or even down in Texas area and take him up to hunt turkeys yeah. in that in that sort of situation so, which would be pretty cool i know we talked about it are you thinking about the drawing up there is it going to be for the turkey hunt or are you thinking about doing a drawing up there for something in texas so you're getting the wisconsin guys down to texas or what i think well, up there what we're going to do is draw from veterans that show up to the show i got you so we'll probably bring them down to texas right. because it'll be a completely different experience for okay them. So we want it to be. We want each event to be challenging. Yep. And, you know, I may if I'm up there and I draw a name, it may be some accomplished turkey hunter from Wisconsin. Right. Well, it's not so, a really difficult experience for him. Yeah. We want to take him down to Texas. Then bring and, him to Texas. Yeah. Test his test his skills a little bit. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, we'll, we'll likely, you know, we have an online on nestet.org. Mm-hmm. We have an online um, sort of this questionnaire so application you can, application that you can fill out. And uh, we've got just a slew of individuals that have filled that out that we can we can sort through and find out the right person um, to go on that Wisconsin yeah. experience. So I, I think that's the way we'll go about it. Good. Um, and again, it's always about presenting people with new situations, right? Um, you know, gaining confidence mm-hmm. in yourself because there's a lot of times you know if you go somewhere new, you're sort of stripped down of a lot of 
lot of your knowledge, a lot of what, what a lot of what you're about as an outdoorsman. And it's you sort of begin to let this creep in. Can I do it? Can yeah. I can I get the job done in this scenario, in this situation, this new terrain? Yeah. So I think when you do it, when you go to Colorado, when you go to Wyoming, and you have that success, boom. That's a huge confidence right. boost for a lot of these guys or girls that come along on our events. I mean, I think that's a really, really key piece uh-huh. to building that confidence up. Yeah. Because, I mean, one of the things that we noticed when we first started out the events, you know, like, as I said, we had the paraplegics. Uh-huh. But then we broadened our umbrella after that event. And we said, what else can we do? Because we realized that not all scars are physical. Right. So we started dealing with a lot of PTSD individuals and the reality is some of them were that we encountered with PTSD didn't have that confidence. There. Uh-huh. Well, um, and I noticed that, you know, every event that I've done, um, with, with the individuals that are possibly struggling with PTSD, when we first meet them at the airport or wherever we're meeting them, they're just a little distant. I mean, you, you know, you want to engage them, you know, everyone and just start yucking it up right away. But, uh, they're a little hesitant, I guess, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just seem distant. But always, it's never failed by the end of every event. I mean, it's like you've known them for 15 years. We're, you know, becoming best buds, and, and that's, you know, you see that. You see that. You see how they evolve. Absolutely, and that's at the core of, of what we want to do for these uh-huh. people. I mean, we want to... We want to open up. We use the outdoors just to open up the relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a way to break down barriers. I mean, as as from guy to guy here, man to man, it's tough for me to be like, hey, let's talk. Right. But right. it's easy to get out in a hunting blind uh-huh. and it be a part of something, be a part of a greater experience, and then all of a sudden that be an avenue yeah. to have a, a meaningful conversation about what's going on in their lives. Yep. And, and like you said, without, I mean, it just every time. By the end of three, four days, it's a different person that you're flying right. back with. Uh-huh. And and we keep our events small. Yeah. We keep them two, three, four, maybe people because we want to have on our events that individual time with each person. Right. And then when we come back, we want to be able to follow up with them. Uh-huh. I mean, one of the things we pride ourselves on is you're part of the Neistat Foundation family now. Yeah. That's what we tell these individuals. So what does that mean? What does that look like? you stay in contact with your family. Uh-huh. Um, and we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to do things for them. I mean, our, the very heart of what we're doing is plugging them into a network that mm-hmm. will allow them to be successful in their lives. Right. Um, and, uh, and we hope that the hunt is just the beginning of our relationship. Uh-huh. So, I mean, we've some cool things that we've got to do with guys that have done events. We've taken them to Cardinal games and just, Shot the bull with them. Yeah. Gone out shooting. Um, I think some of your guys have even taken some of our guys. They've contacted Oh, them. yeah. MJ took somebody down to Texas. Yep. They went on a hog hunt together. So it's just been a, a really cool um, journey that we've seen up to this point for the foundation. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and you know, I just hope when you look back on it and you look at the events that we're giving back just a fraction of what these individuals have given us. Right. So, well, that's what Al said. I mean, when when uh, uh, Alex killed his mule deer, you know, he, he was so appreciative of the event, you know, of, of having him out. And he's like, you know, I hope one day I can repay you for bringing us out here and giving me this opportunity. And, 
Al said it perfect when he was, you know, doing the, the post-hunt interviews. Like, you already have. Yeah. I mean, everything you've done for the our country and, you know, you've paid it back already. You've paid your debt in full. Absolutely. And, and you know, how many times have you been on these events or I've been on these events? You just, the people that are coming along, these vets that are coming along are just selfless individuals. Uh-huh. And you sort of, you look at them and you look at moments like that with Alex and you're like, that's why they signed up for the military mm-hmm. because that's their, that's their mindset. Yeah. They're here to help people. Right. It's a, other people first. They don't even think about themselves. Uh-huh. And uh, that's just been, it's been a really interesting look into, yep. uh, into the mindset of these guys. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And, and Sam said it as well. He's like, you know, what you guys are doing, what the Neistat Foundation is doing is just, it's unreal because normal guys like him, don't get the opportunity to to go out west. Yeah. And yeah. and do those kind of hunts. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look online, you look at anything we post out there, it is once in a lifetime experiences. Yep. That's what we want to provide mm-hmm. is the once in a lifetime experience that maybe people don't have the opportunity to do, but we have the opportunity. We're the avenue for that because of sponsors. Right. Because we are just sort of a magnet for funds we can then channel those funds for the ordinary individual. Right. So. And as far as, so you've got corporate sponsors and, you know, we talked about this before we started here and, you know, you talked about we need to broaden our resources, I guess. So you're starting to do some events. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we've noticed is when you start an event like this, the people around you, your core group, your friends, your family, stuff like that, they rally around the organization and, and produce some funds to help you right. get off your feet, which we experienced that. And we're so grateful for those corporate and individual sponsors that did that. As we've gone on, we've recognized that we can't just rely on them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talk about donor fatigue on our end, and we don't want to just wear out that fund and feel like, man, they're, they're calling again. Right. Here's another another brochure they're mailing us. So as we grow as a foundation and as these events grow, we realize the need to provide more fundraising experiences for individuals. And that's what we're doing on the 14th at, the, at Top Gun Sportsman's April Club. April 14th. April 14th. What did I say? The 14th. The 14th, sorry. Yeah. April 14th. Uh, Top Gun Sportsman's Club, just outside of St. Louis, we're going to have a uh, sporting clay shoot. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a shoot that's open to 80 individuals. Um, it's $100 to shoot. $400 per team. You are shooting in a four-man team. Um, you have 100. That comes with 100 birds to shoot. Lunch is provided. Um, drinks are provided after you're done after shooting. We're shooting. After After you're course. done shooting. So Bluff City is going to provide that. Bluff City beer out of, out of Herculaneum and Southeast Missouri. Uh-huh. Uh, they're going to be providing those. And then um, we're going to have a, a big award ceremony at the end. So we'll give out trophies to the best team, best individual, and best member of the military, best shot. So um, we're excited about that experience. I'm excited because it's a Missouri-based fundraiser. So um, we get to uh, hang out with a bunch of bunch of guys I like to hang out with anyway. And uh, we're looking for sponsors for that right now. That's what we're actively pursuing. So each shooting station that you go to out of the 10 mm-hmm. is going to have a sponsor. And then the golf carts that we drive from shooting station to shooting station, they're going to be sponsored. And if that's something, if you're like, well, I don't really want to sponsor a golf cart. I don't really want to sponsor a a shooting station. I'm just an individual that wants to give money. What we encourage you to do is sponsor a veteran to come and participate in the shoot. 
Um, and and we think that could be a really cool avenue for just individuals, right. so private uh-huh. individual sponsors. Yep. So that's coming down the road. We like the idea of making opportunities available to potential sponsors where they can get something out of it. Yeah. Um, and now, and, you know, first and foremost, I know that the people who give their money are giving it to the veterans. Right. But we also like to give everybody an opportunity. So, like, if your sponsor, you know, a shooting station, you can come be a part of the event and showcase your gear, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. um, and network with other individuals that can maybe lead to future business opportunities for you. Right. Um, so we keep that in mind as we as we move forward. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you sponsor, please show up. Yeah. Come and see what we do. Um, we're completely transparent on that, and we want you to to just check it out. Talk to the vets. Talk to the individuals that are there that have been on our events and uh-huh. um, and just hear their experiences. It's, it's a pretty cool opportunity. Yep. So we'll be raffling off some products as well. There will be some drawings. So there will be a whole lot of side side things happening at the event too not just the shoot but the dinner like you said and Mm -hmm. you know a chance to win some prizes and yeah you know stan dix the guy who owns top gun Uh has got this figured out i mean he's he's got it all down to an art on how to raise money at these things and how to how to have a good time in the process yeah so at his sportsman's club he's got a driving range so one of the fun, one of the cool side things you can do is try to shoot a golf ball out of the air. Somebody's yeah. gonna drive a, a golf ball, and you gotta try to bust that golf ball up out of the air. So, sounds cool to me. I've never done it before, uh-huh. uh, but uh, I'm interested to see it go down. Yeah. Uh, but he's got all kinds of things set up. Um, Stan's a, a, an awesome guy. If you've ever been up to, so if you're driving up 55, okay, to St. Louis, you see on the left, you see Top Gun Indoor right. Range, yep. and you can't miss it. He's been he's been successful at that. He runs a great business. I was just saying that the other day. I mean, it is top notch when you walk inside. And then he decided to start up a sportsman's club as well, sort of this outdoor play area for right for outdoorsmen. And uh, I got to go out there and view it. And I said, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to want to have this or not. So I went out there and checked it out. And man, I was like, I was hooked. Yeah. Um, I started thinking about it. I need a membership to this place right. too. So, <laughs> so um, we're looking forward to it. We couldn't be any more excited about about the event, and uh, you know, it's it's just the beginning of fundraising events for us mm-hmm. as we as we move forward. So, um, I would expect you know two to three more of these per year. Yep. Um, just throughout. Even this one's in southeast, or this one's going to be in Missouri. The next one may be in the southeast area, Texas area, probably yep. something like that, to take care of the people that that we, that we support and that support us down in that area. Yep. So okay, so this one's Saturday, April fourteenth, at um, the say it again, Top, Top Gun, Gun Sportsman Sportsman's Club. Club in Lonedale. It's in Lonedale, so that's about forty miles west of St. Louis. Forty miles west of St. Louis. Yeah. All right, and people can sign up, get all the information. They can sign up for the event and. Register for the event to shoot, register their team, and they can also donate or sponsor on Nestet.org, correct? Yeah, so right there on our homepage, it's it's right there is two links. One is for your team, one is for sponsorship. So we have our red level sponsors that are shooting station sponsors, they come in at five hundred. Then our golf cart sponsors come in at one fifty. And then if you want to sponsor a vet, um, you come in at one hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So all right there, all easily accessible. Um, and if if that's something that you, if you'd rather speak to me personally about sponsorship, my contact information is right there on those forms as well. We can 
we can have a conversation and, uh, and, and see what's best for you. Yep. Perfect. All right. Anything else, uh, we need to cover? Is that pretty much, I think that pretty much runs it. That pretty, pretty much, much runs, runs it. it. So yeah. thank you very much for having us. Oh man. And thanks for, uh, the support yeah, uh, over absolutely. the past couple of years and, and just, uh, being a part of the journey, man, it's, it's been pretty cool and we're looking forward to years to come. I love it. I love being involved. I love hanging out with the vets and like, it's like Al said at Hooker Mountain. I mean, those guys paid their debt. I mean, risked everything for our country. So anything I can do to help, as little as it is, compared to what these guys have done, I'm I'm happy to do it. But all right, everybody, check it out, Nestet.org, if you'd like to get involved with the phenomenal foundation that is taking care of those who who help us. So uh, check it out, Nestet.org. I guess that wraps it up for podcast number two. Joe, thank you for coming again. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll see you all next time. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to the Knocked and Loaded podcast. 